Welcome to EDI on BIV. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at Business in Vancouver. And today on the show, we're going to look at how a physical space can enable or inhibit diversity and inclusion in the office. I'm joined today by Vivian Chan, co-chair of Vancouver Startup Week, which is coming up in three weeks. She's also the director of national operations at Yale Canada. Joining me today as a co-host, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. And we'll be speaking with today, Jenica Palachek, associate at Colliers International. She's based here in Vancouver. She's been speaking with representatives at large companies in Canada, from big tech to big banks, exploring the intersection of physical space and EDI. Great to have you on the show, Jenica. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. What initially led you to look at this idea of space through the lens of EDI? Um, so my senior associate or um, my teammate, Colin Scarlett, and I were Uh, talking about work from home, and we started realizing how your physical space can provide employees from different backgrounds an opportunity to organically come together. And now I'm sure, as we all know, instead of bumping into a colleague over coffee or being able to go for lunch with them, it's now a Teams call. And while Teams is great and we're using Zoom right now, um, it's not the same to build a relationship, and it's really hard to, to foster that sense of inclusiveness while working remote. So we've been trying to uncover how you can change your office space or use your office space as a way to further your EDI strategies. Yeah, so what are um, some of these extra things that you've learned um, about how different people um, can relate to space differently? You know, we've got extroverts, we've got introverts, we have some that, you know, have um, physical capabilities um, that restrict them from maybe going in and out of the office often, but just all the different people that, that make a team What have you learned about that? Um, It's been so interesting. We've been talking to a few different heads of law firms, SAP, big banks. And every single time we talk to someone, um, I swear we always learn something new. And there's always another aha moment. Um, It feels like you're constantly learning when it comes to EDI, which is really exciting. And so with that, um, you know, working with a diverse group of people and how you mentioned a diverse group of personalities your space kind of needs to reflect that. And so having a multitude of environments with one, within one environment that can allow for those employees to feel like they can bring their full selves to work is really important. Um, one interesting example that we found is for introverts in particular, there was a few studies done about how open office plans can actually really increase their um, uh, increase anxiety and cause them to not be able to perform optimally. So providing some spaces where they can kind of hide out or, you know, get tucked away pods or whatever it might be really allows them to uh, perform better and, and just be overall happier at work. It's such an interesting time to be exploring the idea of the office and how we can repurpose commercial space to maybe meet some of the goals we have around EDI or other goals. In your conversations that you're having, are these companies looking at, you know, a full return to in-person work and looking at how they can foster EDI in that context? Or are they kind of looking at, you know what, maybe we don't need to be full-time in the office, so maybe we can change our commercial space to be something that is almost focused more on tackling issues around inclusion and fostering some of those goals. Yeah, that's a really good point that you make. Um, my, my teammate and I, we actually had a pitch a little while ago for a company, and they've been looking at COVID as a reset for their company in terms of culture, in terms of EDI strategies, where they want to go, if they want to pivot. And it's really good way to look at COVID and kind of make the most of what we've been given. And so from this, we're bringing in our workplace strategy team and trying to figure out 
um, any bumps or any gaps that they might have between where they want to be and where they are currently and uh, bringing in us on the real estate side to hopefully see how we can help uh, as well. Yeah, and um, from my previous experience, you know, looking for an office space and working with commercial real estate, that was always something that we really struggled with is finding a space that was available. I mean, obviously you have lease terms and location and everything, but just even the way the office is set up um, was really, really hard for us to navigate because we have so many different, you know, personality types and working types and, and um, you know, people coming in from all over, um, you know, the city. What are things, I guess, that companies should kind of look for when they're talking to a commercial real estate of just being like, hey, this is our team. Here's all the different needs. What's the best way for them to communicate that with um, a commercial real estate firm? I think the first one would be culture. Your office signals what your culture is. Um, For example, one study that we uncovered, it was in CBC News, The Washington Post, um, a few different articles, um, Scientific Direct, a bunch of economics articles are written about it. And it's how um, typically in in an office, you'll have the perimeter offices that are designated to more senior executives, which are usually uh, your older, you know, Caucasian males. And then you'll have more more so your admin, entry level, uh, juniors, paralegals in the center in the open plan. And this signals a, a sort of hierarchy and who's most important. And it's actually been deemed a fishbowl effect where typically the women or entry levels feel like they're on display for all the perimeter offices and it has increased anxiety and different things of that sort. And so I think when you're looking for an office space, it's really important to think about what you want your office space to signal. Um, you know, do you have a hierarchy? Do you have a, a flat organization? Um, do you want it to be collaborative? Um, everything of that sort, I think, comes into mind when you're looking for an office space. Do you think we see as a result the the end of the quote-unquote corner office space? Because I know there's certainly examples, including at companies in Vancouver, where the CEO is just sitting at a cubicle like any other employee, and so it's quite equal in that sense. But on the other hand, of course, you know, if you're a senior executive, you might need to have private conversations and, and have sensitive conversations, so you need a space. But I'm curious if there's a trend one way or the other of what we might see in the future. Um, One really interesting example, and I always talk about this example because I think it's really neat. It's uh, White Law Twinning in um, 200 Granville. And I just wouldn't have expected that from a law firm, but they took out all of their corner offices and turned that into collaboration areas. It was designed by Gensler Vancouver. And I think that we probably might see that coming up a lot more. In our office, we actually turned one of our corner offices into a bit of a meeting room. And some of the other spaces that we've been seeing recently have little call rooms. Um, so areas for sales or, or whatever it might be to kind of go and, and work on themselves or work by themselves if they're in an open area. Interesting. Yeah, we definitely had that, you know, the exterior offices and then the middle, we literally, I think, called it the like fishbowl or I think yes. we called it the pen. <laughs> Um, And I think it definitely does give off those vibes of that hierarchy. Um, I think I was really lucky that I had an office, but was able to kind of get out and work amongst everyone else. But, you know, having worked with a lot of these smaller companies, a lot of them are leasing space, you know, within, you know, a a co-working space, as an example. I think it's really hard for them to figure out the right fit because they're at the mercy of whatever is available. Um, Are there anything that they should think about or or ask um, so that they pick the right space for them because they don't have the option of moving around and picking the exact spot that they want. They're kind of given that space. Um, Anything that they should maybe think about as well? 
Yeah, of course. Um, WeWork has actually done a really good job of that. I was touring their space at Bentil just the other day, and they've done a great job of having a little kitchen area, having some lounge areas. Um, they had a projector, if I remember correctly. And so even though they do have that open plan design, um, they do provide a multitude of environments for different personality types to, to be able to grow. And so um, I think when we work in co-working options, actually really do give a, a lot of variety when it comes to that sort. I know we're focusing on EDI, but I have to ask a question about productivity and whether sort of arranging an office to get the best productivity out of a team fits with sort of an office layout that might also enhance sort of inclusion and diversity and support the various personalities within a team. Are the two aligned or do you have to choose between, okay, a productive space or an inclusive space? Um, I think the two are aligned. I think that if someone feels included, then they'll, they'll be more productive. It's kind of, you know, if you feel supported by your manager and you feel like you're a part of a team and you really do uh, tie yourself with your organization, I think you're going to innately want to um, just produce better, produce more. You're going to want to stay there longer because you no longer just see it as a, a place of work. You see it as a community and something that you really feel connected to. So I think that if you do foster that inclusiveness and you can, you know, further EDI strategies, um, it's also been stated some of the financial benefits to this. Um, your performance for sure will be increased and you'll also see returns in terms of your business. So coming from someone who normally doesn't exactly have, um, I guess, the ability to make that final call sometimes, um, you know, for, for an employee at a larger company and seeing that something may not necessarily work for them or their colleagues, have you, I guess, do you have any tips or advice for them to maybe bring up some of these um, scenarios? Because again, it may be they're the executive team that's making that decision or even just that building, um, you know, and they've decided, no, we're not going to put in that, that extra washroom or things like that. Anything that they can maybe think about to bring up in conversations? Um, I think the way that you approach the conversation, if you bring it up to a senior executive and you show them how this can benefit the company, how it can benefit the employees, um, I think anyone would listen. Um, Edie and I, it, it makes sense to be able to make your employees feel like they want to bring their full selves to work, um, even though it might cost um, some money for upgrades or whatever it is. And Moser in New York City, they have an incredible office. They have circadian light throughout the office, um, so it changes throughout the day. Uh, there's a Moser centric app that you can book hoteling desks based on who else you want to connect with and who's in that day. Um, little things like that. And they're all um, cost. They weren't, weren't too costly as from what I've heard, but they were actually brought up by, you know, different employees and, and different, um, different voices. So I think that if you voice what you're feeling or what you'd like to see in the office space and it makes sense, I think that, you know, there's possibility for it to be changed. I'm curious, Jenica, for your thoughts on uh, whether technology and our work from home has largely enabled greater opportunities for inclusivity and diversity and connection or whether it has been more of a barrier. And I say that from my own experience, for example, there are certain people I used to communicate with on a daily basis in the office that I've barely communicated with. Uh, working from home. But on the other hand, I find that I'm also connecting face-to-face -face virtually with other people that I maybe wouldn't have had a chance to see in the office because we were at different locations or whatever it might be. That's kind of a, it's interesting. It's certainly a shift, but I'm curious if technology is maybe part of the solution moving forward. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Haley. I think that there's some pros and some cons. 
Um, I know for myself, I've been able to join some of our Toronto sales calls and I would obviously never be able to fly over there to make it for their 8 a.m. meetings otherwise on a Tuesday. Um, so things like uh, that sort, you're able to connect with a more diverse um, crowd and just people you wouldn't be able to normally connect with. But I think that the depth of those relationships are really limited. Um, you can meet them, you can have a few different meetings, but I think it's very different than grabbing even a 10 minute coffee with someone. Um, just their energy, body language, cues, things of that sort can't really be replicated through a Zoom call. And um, I think that while technology is a great um, bridge for us right now, I think that having an office space, at least for employees to come to every now and then is really vital for building that inclusiveness. Yeah, it's an interesting point about the depth of connection. I'm thinking back to it feels so long ago now, but even on your route from your cubicle to the cafeteria, the people you would physically walk by would provide an opportunity to maybe connect with someone or you'd run into someone in the physical shared space. And I'm curious the extent to which companies are really playing with their layout to structure what might be informal opportunities to meet with people into kind of the patterns an employee might have over the course of a day. Yeah. Um, sorry. So the question for restructuring the use of technology throughout the day for meetings. Well, and considering also just whether you make layout decisions and structure uh, having the cafeteria shared space all the way across the building. And that prompts people, it might not be convenient, but prompts people first to get their steps in, but also to pass other people on their way to that shared space, providing maybe opportunities for informal connection. Yeah, I think that a lot of the buildings, at least in Vancouver, you can kind of see a bit of a trend in amenities. Um, Bentel, they improved their gyms recently. They have um, more amenities for collaboration, a bit of a dog park where you can bring your dog and hang out. Um, other landlords, uh, Cadillac Fairview, just in, uh, did some renovations on their rooftop so you can do social distance yoga and different things of that sort. So I think that there's um, a bit of a trend towards providing your employees an opportunity to collaborate and make those connections. Like you said, you know, while you're walking to work, bump into someone and say hi and, and little things of that sort that really seem so small. Um, but when you're seeing that person every single day and saying hi every single morning, maybe it turns into a coffee that eventually turns into a long-term relationship. So um, providing those opportunities, it definitely seems like a trend. Moving over to some of the kind of mental well-being, not just the physical, but um, have you, do you have any, I guess, data or information about how the different types of workspaces have an impact on a team's mental well-being? Yeah, of course. Um, so the, the fishbowl effect would be one, particularly for women or juniors, just feeling like they're always on display. Um, really interesting stat that was in McKinsey was that there was, unfortunately, less than uh, 5% of CEOs from Fortune 500 companies were female, and most of them were onlys, which is basically you're one of the only women in the room. And with this, they're 1.5 times more likely to burn out. And um, some of these stats are, are pretty shocking, just feeling like they always need to be to be on or whatever it might be. And so giving uh, employees a space where they can balance all of those responsibilities for women, that would be childcare um, or for, you know, different personality types, those who uh, have anxiety, giving them spaces to kind of little tucked away pods or uh, call rooms or whatever it might be, just providing opportunities so that people can balance um, their, their other responsibilities and whatever might be going on with them. In addition to providing those supports, is there anything uh, an employer might be able to do to create a space that maybe makes that only person feel a little mm -hmm. less on the spot or a little less like they're standing out in a room filled with people who don't necessarily look or think like them? 
Yeah, of course. Um, some really great examples actually um, on the, I guess, topic of a woman and, and balancing everything is PwC across in Vancouver and across actually North America. In most of their offices, they have nursing rooms or area of rooms for mothers and they have serene soundscapes, um, you know, dim lighting and a kind of place to to go and rest for maybe, you know, half an hour between your day before going home um, and different things of that sort. I think um, to make women not feel as if they're they're standing out, I think just having that layout where people do feel comfortable and they can naturally just gravitate to wherever they they work best. So if there's a kitchen area, um, private offices, open area, lounge area. Um, people can naturally just go to wherever they feel most comfortable. So allowing your employees to make that decision themselves, I think is important. Great. A uh, final question from me as we're about to wrap up here, but I'm curious what you recommend employers think about now at this point in time, when maybe their offices remain relatively empty, what kind of conversations should they have? What issues should they think about at this point in time when it might be relatively easy to maybe make some layout changes before they staff up fully? Um, I think it would be, I think like that one company with uh, who we're talking to, it's a great way to look at your COVID period, I guess, now when you're working from home as a reset. What do you want to see when you go back to the office? Do you want it to be the same? Do you plan on growing? What do you want your culture to look like? Were you happy with what it looked like before? Um, if there's certain areas, if you want more collaboration, then maybe instead of having those corner offices, turn at least one of them into a meeting room or a collaboration area. And um, if you bring experts on, Gensler, Vancouver, or anyone um, with expertise in this area, I think that they can really help um, include those accessibility features and then also just design uh, the future of work that's even better than it was before COVID. And then I guess for me, it's just, you know, your role at Collier's, um, what are the next things that you guys are going to be looking at and, and kind of focusing your research on and uh, being able to share that with everyone? I think EDI will probably be a, a long journey. It seems like everyone that we're talking to, we've, we've learned a lot already, but um, there's so much more to learn and there's so much more to go. We're doing, we have some great initiatives at Collier's that we've been doing, in particular, the, the mentorship program um, with our hiring, it's more diverse and so just continuing on that path and making sure that we learn even more and um, we can be a part of that change um, with EDNI. I have this image of the fishbowl stuck in my head. It's such a powerful <laughs> symbol, but it's so interesting. Jenica, thank you so much for joining us with some insight on physical space and how that can enable or inhibit EDI in the workplace. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me and thank you for your time. Thanks, Jenica. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's Jenica Palachek, Associate at Colliers International, sharing with us some of the insights into the research she's doing with her colleagues at Colliers. And Vivian Chan, thank you so much for joining me as a co-host once again. Thanks for having me. Vivian is the co-chair of Vancouver Startup Week coming up in just three weeks time later this month and director of national operations at Yale Canada. This has been EDI on BIV. I'm Haley Wooden, executive editor at Business in Vancouver. Thank you so much for joining us. We publish new episodes of our show every Tuesday, so we'll catch you back here next week. <laughs>